God is good all the time. Well, I'm hearing really great reports about uh, life groups, and I hope um, I'm, I'm encouraged with all of you that are, are part of a life group. Again, if, you're, if you say, well, I don't even know what a life group is, um, I would really encourage you to mark on that connection card if you want to get involved in a life group. Would be, would love to get more information to you. And we've always said, as the groups grow and increase, we'll divide the groups and we'll we'll create more groups as the demand is there. You're not going to be able to get all that God wants you to get. You're not going to be able to receive all that God wants you to receive by just coming here for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. If this is the pinnacle of your spiritual experience or your worship to God, then you are... Man, you're malnourished. Because this was never meant to be where you get everything. And, and, and being part of the body really is not about getting, it's really about giving. And if you don't put yourself in situations where you can give of yourself, where you can share life with others, and you can come into relationship with others, you are really hurting yourself, and you're cutting yourself off from uh, what God really desires to do to, to, to bless your life. Because as you allow life to flow through you, there's, there's more life that comes to you. As you allow life to, to be deposited in other people from you, the life of God in you, deposited in other people, it allows God to just, just cause that flow to just be continuous. And uh, you know, it, Jesus gave us a perfect picture of the vine and the branches and the fruit. And the, the reason that the branches are able to produce fruit is because they allow an unhindered flow of life uh, to, to be there. And there is that interaction taking place, that interaction of life. And so take, oh look, I found a penny here, praise God. Sunette, where are you? It's your lucky penny. She collects, there you go. And uh, so let that flow of life be expressed through you. Now, open your Bible to James chapter 5. We're, we're going to talk about prayer today. <clears throat> but it, it's really all, as far as relationship and, and what I'm talking to you about, this flow of life, it, 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 all, it all revolves around the same thing. Because prayer is, prayer is our relationship with God. That's how we relate to God is through prayer. And I promise you, last night uh, in the Saturday night service, my message guide was right, but unbeknownst to me, everybody out there, the inside of your message guide was wrong. And I was wondering why I kept getting these confused looks on everybody's faces. And then about three quarters of the way through the service, finally, it's like, hey, this, this isn't right. I think this is wrong. And uh, so, but I, I think I'm pretty sure that you have the right message guide today. So you'll be able to follow me much better than the guys last night uh, were, were able to. I want to talk to you tonight about, or today, about in-working prayer. Now, in-working is one word here. In-working, in, in our scripture text, is, out of, is James 5, 16. Now, I want to remind you again, I want to simplify the, this whole thing so that, that you can grasp uh, the reality here, prayer in its purest form is simply our communion with God. Don't make prayer more complicated than it needs to be. It's God and man sharing with each other in unbroken relationship. Prayer is our communion with God. That word communion means fellowship. It means sharing in common. It, it's, it's, it's a Greek word. It's where we get our word fellowship. Communion. It means to share in common, to have in common. It's a relationship is what it is. And so prayer is God and man sharing with each other in unbroken relationship. That's what prayer is. Prayer is the essence of our relationship with God. And you know, think about this. There are many parts of the world where they don't have Bibles. They don't have the scripture. Does that mean they don't have a relationship with God? Absolutely not. They can take your Bibles, they can take your books, they can take our buildings, they can outlaw our assemblies, but do you know what? They can never take away from you your relationship with God. 
that can never take away from you your communion, your fellowship, your sharing with God. They can't do that because that's not based on a book. It's not based on a building. It's not based on anything. It is the reality of Christ in you and God sharing his life with you and you sharing with him. That is our relationship, our communion with God. That is prayer. They can never take away your relationship with God through prayer. Now, here in James 5.16, let's read this scripture together. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if we break this verse down, it says, confess your sin to one another. 1 John 1.9 says, Confess your sin, and God is faithful. If we confess our sin to God, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, we got that. We're supposed to confess our sins to God. We understand that. Here it says, confess your sin to one another. Now, it, James isn't saying, air out all your dirty laundry and tell everybody your deep, dark secrets. That's not what he's talking about. We're talking about this in the context of relationship. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into this as we go through the message. But there is a principle here of confessing our trespasses and prayer. They're, they're linked together here. So he says, confess your sin to one another and pray. He didn't say just confess. He says, confess and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And here's where I want to begin is with the last part of this verse before we go into the rest of it. Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds by your spirit, God, enlighten our understanding. God, that this isn't the words of a man. Lord, this isn't just words from a book, but Lord, these are the living word of God. Lord, this is the living word. And we pray, Father, by the spirit of God, you would Quicken this word to us that truth, God, would be revealed by your spirit and that truth would make us free, Lord, in Jesus' name. The, the effective, fervent prayer, that phrase right there, effective or effectual, that word. Actually, the word fervent is not in there. If, if, you, if you were able to go to the original text and look, that, that word fervent is not there. Actually, the word effective is not there. It doesn't mean it's a wrong translation. It's not. It, it gives us, kind, it gives us uh, in English, an accurate, an accurate thought of what's being said here. But this word effective or effectual is where we get our English word energy and our, and our word for work. And here it means to work in or in working. An in-working. It, it's a word that means working, active, operating, within or inward. It's why I chose the word in-working. As a matter of fact, a literal translation of this verse, this part of the verse would be, the in-working prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective, fervent prayer literally is in working prayer. That's what that scripture says. Now, <clears throat> why does it talk about effective and fervent? Well, and here's what I want us to understand is really what the scripture is saying. Now, we have this idea. Here's, here's, I'm just going to tell you what I, what I thought. When I first started studying the scripture and I read that scripture, my first thought was, man, the effective fervent prayer, that means that I need to be, I mean, the more passionate, the louder the more fervent and excited I get in my praying, the more effective it's going to be. That is not what that scripture means. Did, have you ever noticed that when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus praying, casting out demons, do you notice that you, you never get the sense, it's never communicated that Jesus is yelling at the devil? Now, I'm not saying don't yell at the devil. Or don't yell or be passionate about your praying because I, I do. I, I sometimes get very passionate, and especially when you know I'm praying about something, and, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm by myself. Uh, you know, I might get real passionate, and I might 
you know, I tend to raise my voice anyways. People accuse me of yelling when I'm not yelling. And I say, if you think I'm yelling now, you ought to hear me when I'm really yelling. I'm not yelling. <laughs> I just have a loud voice. And, and, and when I get passionate about something, I get louder and louder and louder. And it's like, stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I'm just excited. There's a difference. You know, and so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying get excited about praying, but, but don't, don't believe that just because you pray louder and more passionately and you, you, you kill your voice because you're praying so loud that that makes your prayer more effective or more powerful because it does not. That's not what this scripture means. Jesus, when he confronted the enemy, he just very matter-of-factly did what? Man, he spoke the word. I mean, casting a, de- a demon out, he said, come out. Come out of him, depart from him. Lazarus, come forth. Because he prayed with an authority, and there was a reason why. And, we're, and this is what the scripture is conveying to us. The in-working prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I'm going to use my lamp here as an example again. The effective Fervent prayer, the inworking prayer of a righteous man avails much. See that cord right there? There's a cord going from that plug that goes to that lamp. That cord is not making the lamp burn. But without that cord, the lamp's not going to burn, is it? I mean, <clears throat> we can swing that cord around and get all excited, and the cord's still not going to make the lamp burn. It's the energy that's operating and working inside the cord that causes the lamp to burn. This is what this scripture is conveying. The inworking, this word for effective, fervent, it's a word that, that we get our word energy from. There is an energy operating. There is, an, there is a power working, operating inwardly inside of us. So the in-working prayer is a prayer consistent with what? With inward conformity to the mind of Christ. This is what this word means. What is the power working and operating and active on the inside of us? It is the Holy Spirit. And the in-working prayer of a righteous man, that word, the, the energetic prayer... It's not even a word that means energetic. It's, it's the word for energy. The active, working, operating prayer inside of a righteous man avails much. In working, what, is that, what does that word mean? It means that there is an effect that is produced. What is the effect? of the energy flowing through that cord. Well, the effect is that it makes the lamp burn, right? That's the effect. In other words, the power that's active and operating on the inside of me has an effect in my prayers. I'm kind of like that cord there. I am just the vessel that the energy is operating through. But it's not me that makes anything happen. It's what's operating and active on the inside of me. It's the Holy Spirit. And so in working in the effect produced in the one praying. So as I pray, there is an energy, a power working and operating on the inside of me. And it's doing something. And what, what is it doing? It is bringing me into conformity with the mind of Christ. In-working prayer is not about how much energy we expend, but how much operation and energy of his spirit we allow. Is that cord expending any energy there? No, it's the energy flowing through that cord. The cord in and of itself has no power, But the cord is a vessel for the power, the energy to flow through, to have an effect, the desired effect, which is what? That the lamp burn. You are, the scripture says, a vessel 
that God has created. And he has put his power, his spirit on the inside of you. The question is not how much energy or power you can work up because you don't have any to work up. The question is how much of his power will you allow to be manifest through you, to flow through you so that you can have the desired effect, so that the energy, the life, the spirit of God in you can have the desired effect. Which is to what? Which is to manifest his life. Which is that your prayers avail much. Are you tracking with me? So it's the in-working prayer. It's not how much energy we can expend. We can jump up and down and get loud and become hoarse and pray as loud and as long as we want. And all we've done is just burn some good calories. But if my prayers, listen church, If I am not inwardly conformed to the mind of Christ, if I am not aligned with the will of God, I can expend all the energy I want and my prayers will make absolutely no difference because my prayers are not conformed to his mind or to his will. But when my prayers become conformed to the mind of Christ, when I become aligned with the will of God, I can just whisper and it doesn't matter. Because it's, it's, it's not whether I can hear myself. It's not whether the devil can hear me. Believe me, he can hear you. It's whether what you are praying has been inwardly conformed to the image of Christ, to the mind of Christ, to the will of Christ. That in-working prayer of a righteous man avails much. Is very powerful who is a righteous man a man who makes no mistakes a man who never gets anything wrong no righteousness is not based on my behavior righteousness is based on my position if i'm in christ i am a righteous man not because i'm perfect but because christ is perfect Because I've been crucified with Christ, a righteous man has no life of his own, has no will of his own, has nothing of his own. All he has is Christ. Christ is all in all. He fills all things. He is everything. And so when Christ Christ dwells in you, does he dwell in you partially or fully? Well, it depends on how good you are, right? If you're really good, he might, he might dwell in you almost fully. Is that right? No. If Christ is in you, he is in you fully or he is not in you at all. If you're in Christ, you're in him fully or you're not in him at all. And if you are in him, that means he is in you. You are a righteous man. Not because you never make a mistake, but because that spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is active and working and operating on the inside of you. And what is the active working operation of the Spirit? It is to bring you into conformity with the mind of Christ. It is to align you with the will of God. Thus, James says, the in-working, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now let me stop before I get ahead of myself. So it is the operation and the energy of the Holy Spirit doing an inward work, conforming and aligning you with the mind and the will of God that causes your prayers to avail much. This is exactly what the scripture is saying here. So why does James couple confession of sin with prayer? Why does he do that? Well, think of it this way. Prayer builds relationship with God and with one another, sin breaks relationship. It breaks it with God, it breaks it with one another. That is just the reality. God created us out of his grace and out of love. He created us to be what? In relationship with him. He didn't create us to be his slaves. He didn't create us for any other reason except that he wanted to have fellowship, communion, relationship. He chose out of his grace to share his life with us. He formed us from the dirt of the earth. That's all we are, church. We're just dirt, except that we have the very breath of God on the inside of us. 
And in the beginning, God formed us from the dust of the earth, and he breathed his breath of life into us. Sin entered in, and what did it do? It broke our relationship with God. Not temporarily, but eternally broke it. And there was no way for it to be restored. That's why the scripture says Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way, because there was no way. There was no way for man to come back to to God. But Jesus came, and Jesus did what God did in the beginning. He created us anew, and he breathed his breath of life into us. He gave us his spirit. So once again, we are nothing but jars of clay. It's not the clay that makes us special. It is the light and the life and the very breath of God that is on the inside of us. That is what is active and working and operating in your life. You are just the vessel that spirit works through. And so now, why, why, why does James couple confession with sin? Because remember, prayer is the essence of our relationship with God. And look what James says. He says, pray for one another. Sin breaks relationship at every level. But confession and prayer does what? It restores relationship. So he says, confess your sin to one another. When we sin against one another, what happens? We break relationship. When we confess our sin to one another, what happens? We restore relationship. That's why I said earlier, James is not telling you to go find someone and tell them every deep, dark thing you've ever done in your life. No, but here's the thing. If, if something has happened between you and another person, if there has been a trespass, if there has been a sin, if something has broken relationship, what does James say? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It's very important. See, we can't, we can't be in right relationship with God if we're not in right relationship with other people around us. I mean, we can profess to be the most spiritual, the most, uh, you know, on fire believer in the world. But if our relationships with other people around us are not right, it means nothing. And it's exactly why John said, man, if you don't love your brother, don't tell me you love God because you can't love God and hate your brother. It's impossible. Because I can't say my relationship here vertically is right if it's not right horizontally. Amen? Confess your sin to God. When we sin, we break relationship with God. When we confess our sin, we are what? We're restoring relationship. Now, I want you to understand, I use this word breaking relationship, but I want you to understand this, that even though sinful behavior, John made a statement. He said, basically said, if you're in Christ, you have no sin. But before that, he said, if you say you have no sin, you lie and you deceive yourself. Because... Until we're born again, we're all born in sin, right? I was born in sin. But when I was born again, I was delivered from sin. So the reality is in Christ, I am, according to the scripture, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not a sinner anymore. Does that mean I can't behave sinfully? No, I can behave plenty sinfully. But my nature has changed from that of sin and death to what? To that of life in Christ Jesus. His life is my nature now. So Paul says this to these believers. He says, you guys have been born again. Your nature has been changed. Why are you you behaving like mere men? Why are you, in other words, why are you behaving like you're back in the sin nature when you've been transported out of the sin nature? You've been brought into the kingdom of light. Why are you behaving like this? So when we behave like that, when we do not love the way God tells us to love. When we commit trespass against one another or against God, relationship is broken, but it does not mean God stops loving us because God does not stop loving us. God does not leave us. He does not forsake us. God doesn't even get angry with us and want to punish us. He doesn't want to do that. He had every opportunity to do that. We were not looking for God. He was looking for us. Trust me, if God wanted to punish you, and condemn you, he'd have done it a long time ago. We wouldn't even be having this conversation today. So we need to get it in our head that God is not out to punish you, to condemn you, and to judge you. He's not. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you don't know what I did, man. I I really blew it. I don't care what you did. 
God is not interested in judging you and condemning you. He is interested, though, in you behaving consistent with your nature. If you are born again, he wants you to, to walk in that nature. If you're not born again and you're still out in, in, in sin and death, then you're just doing what comes naturally. Well, we shouldn't get upset with people who are not born again because they're just doing what comes naturally. That's like saying I'm going to get upset because my dog uses the bathroom in the backyard. Now, if you went out and used the bathroom in the backyard, we could get upset about that. We have indoor plumbing for that, right? But, but it would be foolish for me to say, you know, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And my dog is still pooping by the tree over there. I mean, what is wrong with him? And I'd go, he's a dog. That's what dogs do. Just be thankful he's pooping by the tree and not at the bottom of your steps. <laughs> at least he's got that going for him. But, but he's a dog. Don't get upset. He's a dog. It's what dogs do. Don't get upset when sinners sin. That's what they do. They're sinners. But now, if we've been born again, we're not sinners anymore. We now have the nature of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when I behave like a sinner, when I'm acting like a dog, something's wrong with that. I shouldn't do that. And so sin breaks relationship. God's not, he doesn't withhold from us. He does not break relationship with us, church. God does not break fellowship with us. We, we break fellowship with him. We break fellowship with him. How? Through sin and self-filled living. God doesn't move away from us. His promises, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We move away from him. Now I want to qualify this, not literally, because if you're born again, you're in Christ and Christ is in you. You can't, I hate to tell you, as much as you want to run away from God, you can't do it. If, if, if he's living in you and you're abiding in him, that's why the scripture, that's why David said, we can go to the depths of hell and he's going to be there. You can't get away from him. If you've been born again and God is living on the inside of you, 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 you cannot leave him and he will not leave you. You can't do it. So we don't literally move away from him. Because he abides in us. And we cannot escape his presence. See, his presence isn't defined by an emotional worship service or an emotional set of songs. It's not defined by how expressive I, I act in church. It's not even defined by how intimate and how good I feel when I'm on my knees in my closet praying to God. His presence is not more there than it is when you're pushing the cart in H-E-B or, or in in rush hour traffic, getting real frustrated. In the midst of your frustration, at the height of rush hour traffic, the presence of God is just as real, just as powerful right there than it, than it would be if you were on your face in the secret place, weeping before God. So I felt his presence. His presence was so powerful. Well, I'm telling you, it was just as powerful in the traffic jam. You, you just weren't aware of it. But whether you're aware of it or not doesn't change the fact. He is God. Anywhere, everywhere, all the time. He's, his, his deity is not, be, not determined by the circumstances surrounding you or me. And so here, he does not break fellowship. We break fellowship. He doesn't move away. We move away. How do we move away? We move away in our heart. We move away in our mind. We move away in our actions. You say, Pastor Jeff, what does this have to do with prayer and the subject you're talking about? It has everything to do with it. Because see, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The in-working prayer, it is that prayer that is aligned with the mind and the will of God. And what James is saying is if you guys have, if you guys have division and trespass between you, you need to get it right. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Because if you got division and difficulty here, you're not, you're not aligned with the will of God and you're not conformed to the mind of God. Are you catching what the scripture is saying here? See, we want to think that it's just me and God. And all that counts is me and God's relationship you know, hang everybody else, it doesn't really matter. It's just me and God. 
God's never going to stop loving me. You're right. God won't ever stop loving you. But what happens between you and everybody else will have a direct effect on whether your prayers avail or whether they do not avail. That's not what I say. That's what the scripture says. That is what the scripture says. It says the prayer, the inworking prayer of a righteous man avails much. And it uses that descriptor much because it's trying to tell us something. Do you want your prayers to avail sometimes? Do you want your prayers to avail a little bit? Or do you want your prayers to avail much? It's hard for us to to catch what that word is really saying, but it's like very overwhelmingly, it's, it's just much. It's in your face. It's powerful. It's strong. That nothing is going to stop them. That's what we want our prayers, that's the way we want our prayers to be, right? Well, then it's important for us to allow the spirit active, working, and operating on the inside of us. It's important for us to allow that spirit to bring us into alignment with the will of God. It's important for us to allow that spirit to bring us into conformity with the mind of God. Because when that happens, our prayers will avail much. Why? Because we're going to be praying according to the mind and according to the will of God. So we're not moving away. He's not moving away. We're the one moving away in our heart, our mind, in our actions. When we commit trespass against one another, is that in... Is that in line with the mind of God and the will of God? Absolutely not. What's the remedy? Relationship has been broken. What's the remedy? Confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the effective, fervent, the inworking prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's when your prayers are going to begin to avail. So prayer is at the heart of your relationship with God. Therefore, prayer is also at the heart of your relationship with one another. Relationship is a two-way street. Amen? So is your relationship with God one way or two-way? It's supposed to be two-way. It's supposed to be two-way. Are you expecting the road to be open from God to you, but are you content having a roadblock going the other direction? I mean, we expect God, God, from you to me, you need to keep that open, God, because I have needs in my life, and I got issues. So whenever I call you, God, I want to make sure that road from you to me is open. God says, yeah, what about the road going the other direction? That doesn't matter, God. What's important is that you hear me and do what I'm asking you to do. Matter of fact, I'm going to command you, because somebody told me one time I could command you. Really. Does that sound like a healthy relationship? I mean, wives, is that what you want your husband? Do you want your husbands to treat you like that? Doesn't the husband comes and he says, listen, honey, doesn't really matter what you need. The important thing is you hear what I have to say. And what I say, you hear. What I, what I ask, you do. When I command, you respond. But, 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 but honey, no, 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 it doesn't matter. What's important is you do what I'm telling you to do because I'm the husband here, you see? Yeah, boy, you'd like, how, how many of you wives would just die to have a relationship like that? Huh? I don't know, maybe some of you do. Maybe we should pray. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but listen, is that, is that the way God Is that what God wants from us? Absolutely not. God, remember, God gave us his life so that we could share life together. Prayer is a relationship. It's our communion, our sharing with God. And you can't can't share with the head and not share with the rest of the body. How you react to the rest of the body affects how you react to the head. How you react to the head affects how you react to the rest of the body. We're connected here. It's why the scripture says we are a body. Bodies that function are bodies that are what? They're all connected and they're all whole. You start cutting body pieces off and you don't have a functional body anymore. If I cut my hand off from my arm, my hand has no relation to my arm. 
therefore it has no relation to my head because it's not connected anymore. When we commit sin against one another, we break relationship. What does James say? Confess your sin to restore the relationship so that the connection can be made so that 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 power that's active and working and operating can flow and the purpose that God desires can be achieved. And the light bulb comes on. Relationship with God is two-way church or it's no way. We don't come to God on our terms. Okay, God, I'm going to make you a deal. I'll go ahead and give my life to you, but here's what, no, it doesn't work that way. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. And you know what his term is? His term is the cross. And the cross says it all. Because you don't come off the cross alive. When you go to the cross, you die. It's exactly why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And God's term is, you come to me and you die. But out of that death, I will raise you up a new creation. I'll give you new life. I'll breathe my spirit into you. And you will now have my life. And I will bring you into myself. And now you will be part of my body. Your head doesn't count anymore. I'm the head. See, my hand doesn't have a head. My hand has one head. This is it. We are the body of Christ. We don't have, we're not a multi-head body. We are a one-head body. Jesus is the head. That means if we're the body, then, then he's the head. That means he dictates everything. The truth be known, and I know we don't like to hear this. I don't like it any more than you do. But the truth be known, we have absolutely no say in anything. We're really not supposed to. Now, I know we try. We argue with God. We do our own thing. Because that's just, you know, we keep wanting to go back to that sin nature. But that's like, you know, us, there we go again. Why are you acting like a dog? You're not a dog. Why am I living like a sinner? I'm not a sinner. Why am I living like Christ is not my Lord? He's not my head because he is my head. Then submit to the head. You cannot grow in relationship to God and not grow in relationship to one another. Church, that's the truth. You cannot grow in relationship to God and not grow in relationship to one another. That's why I said in the beginning, if you're only coming here to get something on Sunday morning, if this is the height of your relationship, if this is the height of it, and you're not, you're not growing in relationship with the rest of the body, you are going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be malnourished. Because this was never meant to be the be-all and end-all of your Christian faith. It's not. This is only a part of it. We've got to be in relationship with one another. And our relationship with one another directly affects our relationship with him. Our relationship with him directly affects our relationship with one another. What applies to our relationship with Christ applies to his body. Because what applies to the head applies to the rest of the body. And that's why James said, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another. Because in confessing to one another, we are confessing to God. If I wrong you and I come and I confess to you and say, I've wronged you, please forgive me. I've, I've not just confessed to you, but I've also confessed to God. When I pray for you, when we, in praying for one another, we are praying to God. Amen? In loving one another, we are loving God. Go to 1 John 4. Let me read 1 John 4. 20 to 22 to you. See, I'm going to say it again. Prayer's not a formula. It's not technical. It's relational. And that's why I'm spending so much time talking about relationship because relationship, your relationship with God, your relationship with one another absolutely affects your prayers. And the inworking of the Holy Spirit is to bring you to the mind and the will of God. And if you come to that place, you're going to be in right relationship at every area and at every level. 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, his sister, whoever, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. I mean, you can try to 
dissect and find the true meaning there, but let me just save you some time. The true meaning is exactly what it says. You can't love God unless you love your brother. And if you don't love your brother, the love of God's not in you. Now, take that to God and ask him to give you some clarification, but it's pretty much pretty clear. Your relationships have an impact on your prayers. That's why James coupled confession with prayer. That's exactly why he did it. Prayer is your response to God. Prayer is the two-way road of the in-working operation of the Holy Spirit, bringing you into relationship and conformity to his will. That's what prayer does. See, we think prayer moves God. I got news for you. Prayer moves us to where God wants us to be. You know, the reality is, have you ever been sitting in a traffic light waiting for it to turn green and all of a sudden the car next to you begins to move just slightly and, and all of a sudden you, you, you just, you, you like come awake because you think you're rolling backwards? You thought you were moving, didn't you? But the reality was you weren't going anywhere. You were sitting still. See, that's what we think happens. We think we're moving God. No, the reality is we're the ones moving. God is working to bring us into conformity with his mind, into alignment with his will. It's kind of like the plumbing. Have you ever noticed, I'm not a plumber, but I got enough common sense to know, because this has happened to me before, when the, when the pipes aren't lined up just right, the plumbing doesn't work nearly as well as when they are lined up. What happens when your pipes are not lined up right? You know what you end up with? A big mess. And what happens when we're not in line with the mind and the will of God? You know what happens in our life? A big mess. And we're praying, trying to get God to move, and God is saying, no, look, look, I am the God who never changes. There is no variableness, no shadow of turning with me. I understand the cloud moved and the pillar of fire. I understand all that, but I'm telling you, we're talking about God in his nature and character, who he is, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What needs to happen is we need to come into alignment with him. And when we come into alignment with him, man, it just flows good. And it works good. And it becomes powerful. In working prayer conforms you to the mind of Christ. In working prayer aligns you with the will of God. In working prayer brings you into deeper relationship with God and with one another. The in working prayer of a righteous man avails much. Why? Because it is the prayer of God's mind and God's will. And when you pray in union with the mind of God and the will of God, I promise you, your, prayer, your prayers will avail much. And that is what the Spirit, that is the effective, fervent work of the Spirit in us. It's bringing us to that place of conformity and alignment. It's not how much I can work up. He's already given us all the power we could possibly possess. The question is, are we going to let it flow so that it can have the desired effect of the Creator? Amen? Now, I did this last night with the Saturday night service, and I'm going to invite you to do this again. You know, we're, we're can I just, I know it's 12 o'clock. I finished a little early, actually. You're supposed to be leaving here like any minute. Actually, it's about two minutes till. But here's the thing, you know, we've turned, we've turned coming to church into such a religious activity. I mean, you know, there's this expectation, well, you know, I got lunch, I'm thinking about lunch, where we're going to go eat lunch, and I got plans for this and plans, and that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. But last night, I invited people to come, and I'm going to invite you to come, because see, we can talk about these things all day long, and you can go away and say, man, you know, that, that helped me understand something, or maybe you might say, I didn't get anything out of that, but the reality is, we can talk about it, but if we don't put it into action. See, James says, confess your sins to one another. 
And when you've got, if you've got people in your life that you've committed trespass against or they've committed trespass against you, or maybe there's someone in your life and, and, and they don't even know they've committed a trespass against you, but, but you're holding on to something. Man, I love, Greg Spear said something at Sunday morning Bible study last week that was so profound. I don't know if God gave it to him or he read it somewhere, but, but, but it came from him. And he says, bitterness and unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. See, when you hold on to things, you're not hurting the other person. You're only hurting yourself. It's just like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. It's only going to kill you. And so we can talk, we can have a nice message about confessing your sin and fervent, effective prayer. But the reality is, if there are things going on, even right here on a Sunday morning, and I don't know that there is, but if there is, you know what? You need to take it to God. Maybe you need to bring it to the altar. You know what stops people from doing that? Pride. You know what the biggest problem in the church is? It's pride. See, if I'm sick, I don't have a problem saying I'm sick. But if I've committed trespass and sin, now that starts dealing with my pride issues. Now I become a little bit more hesitant because of my pride and my ego. And when we allow that to stand in the way, that power can't operate through us. It, it, it cuts it off right there. And then we wonder, God, why is there no power? God, why don't, I, why don't I feel anything, sense anything, or whatever? And oftentimes it's because of pride. We hang on to things because of pride. We will not let go because of pride. Well, they did it to me first. So? Well, you don't know. What, what they did to me was a lot worse than what I did to them. Oh, did you do something to them? Well, yeah, I did, but they did it to me first. Who cares? Let go of it. So I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal, and after I pray that prayer, I'm going to invite you, anybody, to come to this altar, and, and whatever you got, you give it to God. If it's against someone that's here right now, you go to that person, and you do, not what Pastor Jeff says, but you do what the Scripture says to do. See, what I say really doesn't matter. So, but Pastor Jeff, this is a Sunday morning service, you know, aren't we supposed to be seeker-friendly and seeker-sensitive? Now, what we're supposed to do is, is be Holy Ghost sensitive. See, we all want the goosebumps, and we all want to flop and shake like a fish and say we feel the Spirit and all that stuff, but we don't want to get down to brass tacks and deal with the real issues. I got pride in my life, and I need to deal with it. There's pride in the church, and the pride needs to be dealt with. So when is the church going to deal with it? When the Spirit moves on me to deal with it, that's when I'll deal with it, Pastor Jeff. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the Spirit's moving on you right now because the Word has been delivered. Not the Word of Pastor Jeff, but the Word of the Lord. And if you believe this is the Word of the Lord, this is what the Word of the Lord says to do. And I'm telling you, if you don't lay your pride down today, when are you going to lay it down? And listen, if you're here and everything's good to go, then it's good to go then just pray that for those that it's not good to go with, that God will be able to work and move in them. You know, it's like the old saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. It's not meant for you. Don't take offense. It's not meant for you. But it may be meant for somebody. And if someone's here and these issues are going on, they need to be dealt with. Because our prayers are not availing because. Now, man, we've got some awesome testimonies. There's a lot of prayers that are availing. There's, we, we're getting, I got a miracle testimony last night. And I'm telling you, God is moving. But he's moving. He's moving where people are allowing the Spirit of God to have his way. And if something's going on and, and there is a hindrance, if there's a blockage, let's deal with it. I want to know before we do anything else, is there anyone here? And you'd be honest, say, Pastor Jeff, I've never... I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I don't think I've ever really had my sins forgiven and, and been born again. I want to be born again. I want to know that I'm born again, that, I'm, that I am of Christ. If that's you, and you want to know that for sure, John says, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody? First order of business. I don't know Christ, but I want to know him. Is that you? Anyone?
anyone. Let's stand. Now I'm going to pray. We're going to dismiss. And I would ask you to just to go out and, and fellowship out. It's a nice day. Fellowship out there in respect. If there are people that come to the altar, we had people last night come that you respect and let them have their time. If you need to get with somebody, you get with them. And, um, and, and just let God do what he wants to do. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, your word is not given to us just so we can come and hear an entertaining or a, 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 a message to teach us something so we can have more information. Lord, you gave us your word and the scripture says your word is, is active. It's powerful as a two-edged sword. Lord, cutting past bone and marrow. Lord, dis discerning the very intents of our heart, God. And Lord, you do that because the word should prompt us. It should motivate us to obedience. And Lord, if there are those here today who need to confess, God, trespass or sin. Lord, if there's, there's things going on today, maybe they're here and maybe the person that, that they've got an issue with is a million miles away. Maybe they're two states away. That's okay, God. They can bring it to you and they can make it right with you. And then they can go. But Father, first order of business, Lord, we don't want to let our pride get in our way. Lord, we want to be humble servants. We want to come before you humbly. We want to humble ourselves before you and let you lift us up in your time, in your season. Lord, we want to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because there is an adversary, our enemy, who roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And God, when we allow relationships to be broken, when we allow sin and sinful behavior to come in and break relationship and trespass, Lord, we cut that relationship we break that relationship god we allow the enemy an opening to come in and bring destruction to our lives and father we want to shut the door on the enemy today so father i pray if there's anyone in this place that needs to just come before you god they lay their pride down they come humbly to this altar and lord we would just close the door to the enemy and restore relationship and restore fellowship with you and with our brothers and with our sisters. Father, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. God bless you.